Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. We haven't been with you for a couple weeks uh, due to Hanukkah and different uh, events that have been going on, and we're glad to be back. Israel Unplugged is where you get the unadulterated facts of where we're holding in the redemptive process, focusing primarily on the ingathering, the exiles, and this is happening now as we speak. We are going through such an exciting time, current events, every day. There's a lot to speak about. Hanukkah this this evening starts uh, here, uh, Sarah's the fast um, uh, regarding the siege around Jerusalem. We're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss the Torah portion. This is a live show, so we encourage our listeners to call in wherever they are. If they happen to be stuck in North America, then there's a great number to call. It's 301-768-4841. 301-768-4841. And if you are lucky enough to be here in the land of Israel, the number is 2 Six five zero zero one five one zero two six five zero zero one five one. I'm Josh Wander. I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Rabbi Moshe Lichtman from Beit Shemesh. Yes, welcome back, and uh, we missed you. It's been a while, and uh, we hope we'll make up for it uh, in today's show and uh, give you a really good one. We want to encourage you to go to our websites. Uh, Rabbi Lichtman's website is Toratzion, T-O-R-A-T-Z-I-O-N.com. And uh, you can visit our website at itstimetoleave.com. Itstimetoleave.com, where I encourage you to look at the video series specifically, which is on YouTube. It's at Israel Torah. And to make sure to subscribe and to click on the notifications, we have hundreds of videos, short videos, regarding the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel, the importance of returning today to the land of Israel. And we encourage everybody to sign up for that because that is what keeps us going. And we also have on the same site lots of other exciting things, including this show, a recorded podcast that we do every week, and many, many other exciting things dealing with the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. And we are here to talk about that today. We hope that you stick with us. And we will be right back in just a few moments. Did a nice Jewish girl from Delaware end up living in Israel? Shalom! I'm Natalie Sapinski. Join me on my show, Returning Home. Meet different people who have moved to Israel. Hear their personal stories, their highs, their lows, and everything in between. Each week, we talk to experts on immigration and the process of moving to Israel. Listen to Returning Home every Thursday, only on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. This is Josh Wander back with you from Yerushalayim, Yerak Kodesh. And today we are going to start discussing, first of all, before anything, I want to 
uh, remind, not remind, I want to mention the fact that today is the yard site, is the year commemoration of my father's passing 13 years ago. Official Alter Yeruchum Ben Yaakov Yosef. His uh, memory should be a blessing. And uh, today is that day. So we are, we are, we are, I personally and my family are um, memorializing that today. And uh, I also want to mention that this comes out in a special time every year of the year because there's three days. Most people are not familiar. Most people are not even familiar with the fact that we have a fast coming up the, tomorrow called Asarab Tevet, the 10th of Tevet. But it's actually three days that leads uh, up to the, the, the 10th of Tevet. And uh, they, they were three days of mourning. And I was just told an amazing story. I don't remember the whole story, but I was told by uh, the famous... Uh, uh, tour guide slash uh, archaeologist Barnea Sullivan in the old city uh, that he was in touch with a group of people that were from uh, Assyria. They were Assyrians. And when they were asked about, I forgot how they got into the subject, but when they were asked about this three-day uh, period or a, a three-day fast, they were talking about three-day fast, and they said, of course we have a three-day fast. And why do the Syrians continue to this day supposedly to have a three-day fast? Do you know, Rabbi Lichtman? No, I never heard this. Because of Nineveh. In Nineveh, they fasted for three days. Ah. And and there's still today, there is a custom in some communities to fast for three days because of the story of Jonah, the story Jonah. of Yonah, and the story yeah, of Nineveh. What time of the year do they do it? Do they I'm know? not sure. I'm not well, sure. Sometimes sure. But, no, we, but, the we, one, but the Asar B'tevet is because, uh, I think this is what you're referring to, that we only fast one day on Asar B'tevet, but we include in the reasons for fasting on Asar B'tevet. So the main reason is because that was the day that the siege was started around Jerusalem, uh, which eventually led to the destruction of the temple. So it's the beginning, and therefore it's like uh, it's actually considered a, a, a even a more strict fast than, than most others. Um but on the other hand, there's also the day before, which is the same yurt site, the same anniversary of the day of death of your father, is when Ezra HaSofer, the great Ezra, died, right? I mean, is that, uh, do you think about that when you're, yes. when you, yes. yeah? Yes, that's what that, and also so the Septuagint, when they translated exactly. the Torah into a different language, into Greek, um, and 70 uh, sages got together and they translated it and they made 15 corrections and all the corrections were exactly the same and that was considered to be miraculous. That was also considered to be a, uh, a time that we should mourn because that time uh, is the time that we allowed our Torah, our written Torah to be uh, propagated throughout the world and many of the non-Jews took this and, and used it and said we don't have to now no longer go to the Jews to find uh, the Torah, now we can... Uh, we could do it ourselves, and that led to all sorts of uh, tragedies in, in Jewish history. Yeah, um, I think I might have quoted this last year, but uh, Rabbi Eliezer Melamed, the author of Penine Halacha, um, a very popular uh, work on Halacha, which most of it is already translated into English, and I had the privilege of translating one of the volumes. And it's actually the volume that talks about these kind of things, the minor fasts, the minor, the minor holidays, let's call it. Um, so, so on this issue, those three days, so I just want to read you one paragraph. He says that his teacher and master, Rav Tzvi Yehuda Cooks, because Rav, Rav Malamed learned by uh, Rabbi Tzvi Yehuda Cook, 
So he said that we must rectify these three things on Asara B'Tevet, <clears throat> corresponding to the three reasons we fast. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have to rectify three things. The first thing is, in response to the siege of Jerusalem, we must strengthen the walls of the city and build up Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel, both spiritually and physically. In response, number two, in response to the death of Ezra the scribe, we must enhance and glorify the Torah while working to bring about the ingathering of the exiles as Ezra did. Because Ezra was this, known as the, scri- as the scribe, and he actually, the, the rabbis tell us that had the, the Torah not been given to Moshe Rabbeinu, it would have been given to the Jewish people through Ezra Sofer. That's how great he was. And he really is the the one who started the, let's call it the the promulgation of the Torah Shebaal Peh, the, the oral law. He's like the beginning of the period of the sages also. Um, and also he brought about the ingathering of the exiles. Uh, although, of course, we all know it was a very um, limited ingathering of exiles. And the famous the uh, Talmudic statement in in uh, Yoma 9b that says that the reason the Second Temple was destroyed is because most of the Jews remained in the exile and did not come back. And we really, really beg our brethren in the diaspora not to let that happen again, not to repeat the same mistake that the people in Ezra's time did, that they didn't come back. And therefore God said, well, you know, I gave you the land back. I even let you build the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, and you didn't come back. Well, okay, I guess it's not so important to you. And therefore, he he eventually uh, let the temple be destroyed. So we have to rectify that and work about work for the ingathering of the exiles. And the third thing Rav Tzvi Yehuda Kuk said was that in response to the translation of the Torah into Greek, we must restore the authentic spirit and culture of Israel and uproot all the spirits of wickedness that accrued to it throughout the duration of the exile when other nations ruled over us. Wow. I was just giving a tour and we were walking around the old city of Jerusalem walls and I was trying to explain to my group that these are not the original walls of Jerusalem. These walls are much more modern. Those that come from the United States, anything that's older than a a century or two centuries is considered (laughs) ancient. But here, if it's not a thousand years old, it doesn't really make it on the radar. And uh, these walls were about 500 years old. They were built by the Ottoman Turks under Sultan Suleiman. And they don't correspond with the original walls of Jerusalem. They overlap, but they're not in exactly the same place. So when I when we passed by the the southern walls, I was explaining how these this is a modern construct. People look at these as ancient walls. But in reality, they are not the original walls. And in fact, Ben-Gurion, the first prime minister of Israel, wanted to destroy the walls, to knock down the walls of the old city because he felt that that was symbolic of one of our, of one of the foreign, uh, foreign uh, empires, yeah, oppressors yeah. or, or empires that came into our, into our nation and uh, built on top of our, of our history, as many before and after. And that, unfortunately, uh, people don't understand that. And it has a lot of uh, halachic significance in Jewish law because there are certain areas which are, are, are designated as being part of the capital city of Jerusalem. 
and those cities have certain uh, halachic significance of uh, being able to eat uh, the tithe of a Maiser Sheni and 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 uh, uh, Karban Pesach, the Paschal sacrifice. All these things can be done only in Jerusalem, and therefore you need to know exactly where the original borders are, not where the Ottoman Turkish walls are. But when you're speaking about the siege around Jerusalem, you're not just speaking about what people today see as the old city of Jerusalem. You're talking about the original, what they call Ir David, the city of David today, uh, going down to, into the valley, into what's known as Inrogel, down to the valley, the, another valley, which is called Gebininom. And that whole area is the area of the old city, uh, the original old city, which was under siege. And that siege, uh, we should mention, it wasn't just a matter, it wasn't just uh, strategically or, or tactically that they decided to put a siege around Jerusalem. The idea was that 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 even that they had a thought, right? Even the fact that our enemies could could even have a concept in their minds that you could put a siege on Jerusalem. Can you imagine such a thing? Nobody, nobody, nobody could have imagined the thing before before this. And all of a sudden, they came up with this concept that we're going to put a siege on Jerusalem, even when the temple's there, even when the Jewish people are in control. And uh, and unfortunately, we see that this led to one calamity led to the next, and eventually it led to the destruction of the temple itself. Correct. Like you, as a tour guide, you should uh, tell our our listeners that uh, there are though places where we have found original walls, right? I mean, Correct. there's the broad there's wall. walls from the right. Broad the, wall the, in the what's middle. That, of what's that from the days from the days of Hezekiah? I think it is. That, that's right. Though that is right, a right. wall, which is very significant, and it it is a wall. It's on the northern side. And the reason it's so significant is that there are three valleys that surround Jerusalem, and there is one that did not, one side didn't have the, the, the valley, which was the north, and that's why the prophet uh, Jeremiah says, Mitzafon tipatacha ra'a, we were always attacked from the north because that was the most vulnerable of sides that didn't have a valley to protect it. So in order to protect that, that northern side that didn't have a valley, they had to build this huge wall that was estimated to be eight meters high and several meters wide, in order to protect that that vulnerable northern side. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we found it today. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So all you got to do, people, is uh, come and visit. Well, it's a little bit hard these days. I think we but, should discuss yeah. that, too, because that we've, I've been getting <laughs> so much flack from Jews around the world that want to come visit and think that the— uh, this is the most t- terrible, t- horrible thing. I'll tell you. I'll tell you something related to that. So I have a former student who, who really loves Israel. He really wants to be here. But he said he he was going to have his son's bar mitzvah here in Israel. And he invited me, and I was so excited. And I just last night got an email saying that because of the restrictions, they're going to have to cancel. So I wrote him back and I said, you know, so sorry to hear, but you should know that you know there are no restrictions upon olim chadashim, <laughs> upon people who want to make aliyah. So he, you know, he laughed and he said he wishes he wishes he could be here. So people, don't wait till it's till it's too late and come come as soon as you can. All right, Let's stick with us. Continue this right, right after the break. Shalom, everybody. Making a difference often takes just one moment and one person at a time. 
I am Orly Benny Davis, your show host on Israel News Talk Radios from Jerusalem with love. You'll be hearing people talking about politics, religion, social issues, and making a better tomorrow. Join me, Orly Benny Davis, for God and Country. From Jerusalem with love. Wednesdays on Israel News Talk Radio. So we were before the break. We were talking about the fact that uh, the gates of Israel are still closed to tourists, and that is very, very disturbing to many Jews that are around the world. I get messages daily from Jews that are around the world that have been uh, staunch supporters of the of of the state of Israel, <clears throat> and uh, that is starting to to wane because they they're starting to say. You know, we were such, we, we supported, we, we came all the time, we sent our checks, we sent money, we supported all sorts of institutions and the state, and now they're not going to allow us to come into the country. That defeats the whole purpose of, according to what they're saying, the whole purpose of the state of Israel is to have Jews be open, open doors for Jews to come as they please. And, vi- and visit. <laughs> and visit. Well, that's, that's the key. So when, whenever yeah. I speak to, to tourists that, that when they were here, I say, I think to me, the message is very clear. There's a, there's a bunch of messages. One message I've, I'm sure I've said before on this show, which is that, that the gates of Aliyah have been open the entire time. The gates for tourists are intermittently opening and closing, and this is a sign to the Jews around the world that it's time to come on Aliyah. God does not want you to come as a tourist. God want, does not want you to make this another Cancun or another Disneyland. This is the land of Israel. It's a place where the Jewish people are supposed to settle. They're supposed to live. And like I said, the gates of Aliyah have been opened. Anyone who wants to come here and live is welcome to do so. Those that want to come here as a tourist and just to visit, they, they can't. There's a, there, there are signs from heaven. And I think that this is way bigger than the prime minister or any government policy. I think this is being, uh, being um, orchestrated from above, as everything is. Mm-hmm. And these are clear signs from heaven that it's time to come. Now, that having been said, I, I said that I think that the closing this over the past two years, the closing of, of the gates of tourism to Israel have accomplished two things. On one side, a very positive thing, which is it's created an incredible cheshek, an incredible desire of Jews that are abroad to come to Israel. So I, many of them uh, that, you know, used to come all once in a while, they would jump on a plane and they would come here for the Chagim, they'd come here for a holiday, they'd come here, whatever it was. Now, all of a sudden, it's being, it's, 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 it's pent up in them that Absence they want to come. makes the heart grow fonder. Exactly, exactly. And they, they so much want to come, and maybe that's part of the, the reason. The other side of that, maybe on a negative side, is that, and, and I just, I came up with this just a couple, maybe last week or the week before. I said, you know, for years, American Jewry, and I, I don't mean to offend anyone, but American Jewry believed that this, the land of Israel was completely dependent on them. Where would the Israel be if it wasn't for us American tourists coming and spending our money and driving the economy and supporting them? And, 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 and a miracle, absolutely a miracle happened. 80% of our economy, just as a little bit of background, 80% of the Israeli economy is, is based on tourism. For almost two years, there has been no tourism, 
and a miracle has happened. Over two years, our economy is booming. The shekel is stronger than ever. It's, 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 it reminds me of the sabbatical year Shemitah, which we're in right now, where God says, let your, your fields be fallow, and I will bless you with double the amount. A miracle happened where even though you're not, you're not working the land, you're going to get double. And this is what's happening. Even though we don't have tourists, a miracle's happened and our economy is booming. Now, this is a, a strong, I would say, eye-opening lesson for Jews that are around the world because the American Jew that thought that Israel was dependent on them all of a sudden now, perhaps should if they don't already, realize that they, that they are dependent on Israel. It's not Israel that's dependent on them. Israel doesn't need them. And it needs them to come here, but it doesn't need them to support them from abroad. It needs them to come here and be a part. And like I said, the gates of Aliyah, the gates are open for Jews to come, and we encourage them to do so whenever they can. Of course, not to say that we don't appreciate, you know, American Jew Jewry's contribution, and and there are certainly people who want desperately to get here, um, but they've you know constantly been putting it off, thinking, like you said, that, you know, when the time comes, I'll come. And, and now they realize that, you know, it might not be so simple. And and uh, we have to, you know, take the opportunity, the moment that it presents itself, and come and you know, be part of be part of this land. This is where this is where the action is. This is where history is taking place. And, you know, sometimes things look grim and, you know, it's not Things are not perfect here, but this is where history is taking place. And clearly, God is orchestrating things that the Jewish people are returning to the land. And as you said, maybe now it's saying, he's saying, you know, I had, I left the gates open for, for a long time and you didn't want to come. So, you know, now I'm going to make it harder for you. And uh, we have to really take a lesson from everything that happens in our lives is a message from God. And it's uh, supposed to be an eye-opener. It's not always simple to see and to know what the message is. But I think, you know, however you interpret it, as long as it it it, it, um, it uh, presses you uh, to, do, to do better in your life, you should do that. You should do something better. Maybe that's not what God was trying to say. But you know what? You're doing better. And that, God that's can be important. saying lots of different messages to lots of different people. Right. He's the, right. the, he's not uh, he's not uh, he's much greater than CNN. He's able to deliver lots of messages, <laughs> even truth, true messages, unlike CNN, uh, exactly. to to multiple people at multiple times. So they they all are important, and everybody should like like you said, be motivated by them. A very interesting thing that's Rav Nachman Kahana. We do a recorded podcast with him every week. <clears throat> he's been saying for years. I remember decades ago him mentioning the fact that the day will come when the gates of Israel will be closed to world Jewry. And people used to laugh at him. They said, that can never happen. How is it going to happen that, that, that the state of Israel is going to close their gates to world Jewry? And we see that it's happening. But his following predictions are even more ominous. Uh, he says that they're going to be open and closed, open and closed a few times. And that's going to be a signal to the Jews around the world that they need to get up immediately and move here, that this is, this is it. And that the day will come. Finally, he says, when the gates will be completely sealed and they will not be able to come again. And, th and this is leading up to that, that point. And this final prediction, and again, I wouldn't even mention it except that the first predictions have already come true. So it's a, I, I can't not mention it. 
the, the last prediction is that there will be a great war, a world war that the United States will be uh, involved in and that the um, U.S. government will start to re they will reinstitute the draft and start drafting Jewish boys and girls in America. And at that point, it will be a clear message that those American Jews that didn't want to send their children to Israel and to serve in the military and protect their own country now will be having to serve and to protect a foreign nation. So, again, I, wow. I can't say I can't say that I can't say that that is uh, it's not a prophecy, but his first predictions have come true. So I definitely take his uh, latter ones very seriously. Right. He's definitely a great, uh, great rabbi and a uh, big tzaddik. So, you know, we should listen as, you know, the rabbis tell us that Chacham Adif Minavi, right? A wise man is preferable, is greater than a prophet because, you know, sometimes he could see something just from his wisdom. He can see you know, you don't have to be a prophet. You just you don't have to get a message from God. You just have to keep your eyes open and see things, you know, see the way history is moving in order to understand this. I think I, I want to at this at this point take the opportunity to share a beautiful idea that both Josh and I saw this this week or the last week on a shared WhatsApp group that we're on. Um, so they he quoted from Rav Eisel uh, Harif, one of the one of the rabbis of the previous generation, um, and uh, so someone came up to him and uh, when this whole movement to rebuild the, the land of Israel and to come back and and resettle the land uh, started happening. So one of his students came up to him and said, you know, should we be involved in this? Should we take part in the rebuilding of the land of Israel, move to Israel and and rebuild the land? Or should we just wait till Mashiach comes? And, and you, Josh, and I both know that that's one of the biggest claims that certain Certain types of Jews uh, constantly use. They say, you know what? Uh, when Mashiach comes, I'll come. You know, we'll wait for Mashiach. Uh, they want to be passive. So he gave such a brilliant answer. He said, he said we have three uh, blessings in our Shmona Esrei, in our tefillah, uh, the prayer that we say, the silent prayer that we say, three blessings in a row. Rifa Enu. Um, what's the next one? Uh Rifa'enu, so I do that in the right order. For first Rifa'enu, then Berechalenu, and then Tekabe Shofar Gadol, which is we ask God for Rifuah, for health, for curing. Um, on the other hand, the next one we ask for Parnasa, which means a livelihood, we should have enough money. And the third one is the ingathering of the exiles. So he said, I don't remember the last time anybody came over to me and asked me when they got sick if they should go to a doctor. Or should they just wait and see, you know, God God will cure them? Or, you know, should he just sit back and, and hope that, you know, money will uh, somehow miraculously enter his bank account? Or should he go out and work in order to make a parnasa? No one asks those questions because everyone understands that the Jew is supposed to do his share in order to to help himself in these in these areas. Well, the same thing is true about the third blessing, the blessing of Right, we ask God to help us in gather in gather the exiles. That means we also have to do something about it. We have to work in order to bring about the in gathering of the exiles. 
and and I think that was such a brilliant, brilliant take. And uh, it's it's funny people are um, are a little bit hypocritical when it comes to these things. It's because it's it's inconvenient for them to pick up and move to Israel. Okay, so we'll continue this right after the break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany is but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel. Phantom Nation, every Monday. Hi, I'm Rabbi David Aaron. The soul basics are the most profound, the most essential, and yet often the most neglected in our education. Join me for Soul Talk on Israel's News Talk Radio and discover the secrets to love, spiritual growth, and personal power. So I was thinking before the break, we were talking about how Jews are, or tourists are restricted from coming into Israel and, uh, and what that means to them, what it means to us. And uh, I was thinking that there is maybe a precedent, I haven't completely worked this out, but there's, there's a precedent in, in Jewish history to Jews being restricted. And where is that precedent? There was a, a divide between the northern tribes and the southern tribes, in which the the king of the northern tribes, I think it was Yeravam, decided to seal off the north from the south and did not allow Jews to go to Jerusalem. And when people suggest that there's a, some sort of lack of legitimacy in the current government, whether you agree or disagree with the policy, that there's a lack of legitimacy for the government to do what it's doing, I, I quoted this historic precedent. I said, you know what? No one said that it was not that he was not legitimate. He was a bad king. Not only did he seal that off, but he made the Jews worship uh, idols. It, it was it was it was really a bad time. But he was still the king. I mean, no one suggested that otherwise. And um, and therefore, we see that there is precedent for a uh, legitimate government deciding to ban Jews from uh, an area in Israel or Israel itself. And uh, and it could happen, and that does not necessarily mean that the government's not legitimate. It just means that they may have may have bad policies, or maybe they're good policies. It depends on how you look at it. Uh, some people think that they're the the first concern of any government is the the health and welfare of its citizens, and if this is medically uh, determined that sealing the borders of Israel is going to save uh, the lives of citizens here in Israel, then perhaps it is, perhaps it is justified. I think that's, that's uh, more than what's in the, what we're going to get into in, in this show. But, uh, but clearly, clearly there is a discussion as to whether it is legitimate, whether, sorry, whether the policy is correct or not. But either way, my point is that it is legitimate for the government to make such decisions. And whether we like it or not, whether the people inside Israel like it or not, whether the people outside of Israel like it or not, 
Okay, so their policies and they're, they have the right to make those policies if they choose to. Right. I don't know if you saw the uh, campaign of the pregnant women to get their uh, their mothers to be able to visit them to help them uh, give birth. Did you see that, Josh? No, I did not. Oh, wow. So so uh, you have to look. There's a there's a video online about it. Um, I know that Ayala Chaked came out and, and ex- changed the rules. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So so how did why did she come out and change the rules? Because there were these women whose whose mothers, whose parents were planning on coming and helping their daughter, you know, during her her time of need, so to say, when she's giving birth. Um, but they were refused because of the, all the new restrictions. But at the same time, they were planning on having, and I don't know if they probably still are having, Miss Universe, the Miss Universe contest in a lot. I don't know if that did that happen yet or it not. It happened, and, and they all included in that is Miss South Africa, which, first of all, I have to give her credit because she, she fought against BDS to, to come here. Right. But on the other right. hand, they, they banned all South Africans from coming in, but they allowed Miss South Africa to come in. Right. So, so, so they allowed, exactly. So they allowed all these women to come in to compete in the beauty contest. And so these pregnant women together a video and each one got on it and said as follows said um my mother is beautiful now can she come and help and help me give birth and like 10 women in a row you see them you know posing they're pregnant very pregnant right and they say well my mother's beautiful can she come in in other words how ludicrous is this you're letting these these beauty pageant uh, contestants come in because Oh, I guess it looks good for Israel that we have the the Miss Universe contest in in Israel, um, but you're not letting someone's mother come in to help her give birth. Obviously, we're talking about all these women have three vaccines; they're totally protected, just like the citizens of Israel. Now, it's true; it's a little bit of a danger when you come in. Uh, maybe you're bringing a different variant of the virus. We all know, and it, it, there is a certain danger. But you know, there has to be. Uh, there has to be some kind of, uh, you know, uh, it has to make sense. And and this this campaign totally worked. And they and Ayelet Shaked, who was one of the ministers in the government, uh, had to Minister cave in. She had to right. She had to cave in, and she uh, and she agreed, and she let these uh, these uh, mothers uh, in. I guess there's a new clause. You know, if if your daughter is about to give birth, so you're allowed to come in and help. Okay. Wow, <laughs> it was just very funny. And I know so, that uh, uh, Rabbi Dove Lipman, who we've had on this show before, has sure. an organization called Yad La Olim that is also very involved in advocating for uh, Jews to be able to come in, specifically those that are relatives of uh, current uh, current citizens in the country. So uh, we we yep. hope that uh, they they do figure out and they they the government does the the right and the wise thing to do and their policies be. Um, good in, in the eyes of man and in the eyes of God. What do we have to say about the parsha this week? Oh, there's so much to say about the parsha, like every like every week. Um, so at the very beginning of the parsha, we have the verse that says that uh, Yaakov turns, he's about to die, and he turns to his son Yosef, and he says, Simna yadcha tachat yirechi. Basically, I want you to swear to me. Do not bury me in Egypt. Why was Yaakov so adamant? Why was it so important? And why was it a chesed ve'emet, a kindness and a truth? Uh, 
So um, I just want to say that this comes on the back of last week's Torah portion ah. in which you, you're going to talk about it. No, no, go, 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 go. No, last week's Torah portion where where Yaakov Avinu is brought down to Egypt in order to meet with his long lost son, Yosef, who is now in Egypt. And he stops in Beersheba and he springs sacrifices and he prays to God. And, and he's, he, you could tell by the, the words that he's disturbed. He's disturbed. And he says, in the name of my father, Yitzchak. Why does he mention Yitzchak? Yitzchak was a carbon. He was a sacrifice. He never left the land of Israel. He couldn't leave the land of Israel. And now he knows, although he knows, that the Brit Ben Abitarim, the, the covenant that we have eventually the Jews will go into exile. Is he the one that has to bring the Jews into exile? He's disturbed by this. But on the other hand, he knows that he wants to see his son and God reassures him and tells him it's okay. You can go into exile and I'm going to, just like I brought you into exile, I'm going to bring you back. Bring you back, right. You personally, you're going to be buried uh, back in Israel and the Jewish people will eventually come back. So, so there are many things that Yaakov did to make sure that his children understood that this is just temporary, right? We're not going to Egypt to settle there forever. This is, that's not our homeland. Our homeland is the land of Israel and that's our only homeland. And one of the ways he did it was to say, don't bury me here. It's an, in, in, what he was in effect saying to his children was you guys want to actually live here because because at the at the end of last week's parsha, it says Vayeyachazuba that the Jewish people had started already to take hold of the land of the land of Egypt, meaning they were starting to feel comfortable. And Yaakov uh, sensed this and understood that something has to be done, something drastic has to be done, so they understand this and that's not where they belong. And one of the the, the things that he did was to um, was to insist insist absolutely that he be buried in in uh, the land of Israel. Um, I'll read to you from Rabbi Shimshon Rafal Hirsch, who says, but the real motive could be much deeper. Could lie, I'm sorry, could lie much de deeper. Jacob had still lived 17 years with his family in Egypt. Don't forget, this is 17 years later. It's that's enough time to get settled down. Thus, he could have noticed what a powerful influence the heachezba, the being gripped by the land, was beginning to have on his descendants. How they already began to see the Jordan in the Nile and to find their stay in Egypt no galut. Does this sound a little bit familiar? Jews who are living in exile and don't really... Uh, consider it to be such an exile. Um, you know, they're comfortable. I understand exile is supposed to be painful and, 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 and um, you know, there has to be oppression. No, no, no. There are different types of exiles. And this was sufficient motive for him to press with such ceremonious solemnity that they should not bury him in Egypt. And as he made him, it wasn't enough to just say, Yosef, okay, you know, please make sure I get buried in, in, in Israel. He said, you have to take us an oath. You have to swear to me. So he was saying it because that they should carry him to the land of their old true homeland. It was, it was motive enough for him to say to them, you hope and wish to live in Egypt. I do not wish even to be buried there. That is also why he did not express this wish as Jacob. It doesn't say that Jacob spoke to, to, 
to Yosef, to Joseph. It says Yisrael. Why? What's the difference between Jacob and Yisrael? Jacob is usually more of a very specific individual, the person Jacob. Yisrael, usually when, when Yaakov is called Yisrael, it's more of a representation of all of, of the Jewish people. And that's what Rav Shemshav Falher says. From, uh, that is also why he did not express this wish as Jacob from his individual personal standpoint, but as Israel, as bearer of the national mission, as a warning of the national future of his children. He was warning them, don't do this. Don't get comfortable. If you get comfortable, things bad things can happen. And we know that it ended up, that's what ended up actually happening. The Jewish people almost, uh, you know, became lost in Egypt. They, got, they became so comfortable. Um, and let's hope that that doesn't happen to uh, the current Jews in exile, but that they understand that there's only one place the Jewish people belong, and that is the land of Israel. So our show has come to an end. Uh, thank you for joining us today, and uh, make sure to come back and uh, be with us again next week, same time, same channel. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.